Welcome to Bladder Buzz, the podcast where doctors, researchers, and consumers discuss bladder health and function for those with neurogenic bladder. On today's episode, we welcome rehabilitation psychologist Angela Kumel and Katie Powell to discuss travel and spinal cord injuries. And now, Bladder Buzz. everyone. Welcome to another recording of the Bladder Buzz podcast. My name is Angela Kimmel. I am a rehabilitation psychologist on the spinal cord injury unit at the Lewis Stokes VA in Cleveland, Ohio. I am also a person with a spinal cord injury who's lived with this injury for almost 25 years. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Powell. I'm an occupational therapist and spinal cord injury clinical specialist at the Clement J. Zablocki VA Medical Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. In addition, I'm also Angela's younger sister, so I've been a part of the spinal cord injury community for many years as well. So today we are going to be talking about one of our very favorite topics, which is accessible travel. So let's start with a brief chat on legislation. Katie, what laws should people with disabilities know about regarding travel? First, travelers with disabilities should know about the Americans with Disabilities Act, or ADA. We made an advocacy podcast for the Bladder Buzz series that covers the ADA and includes travel examples. If you're traveling outside the United States, most foreign countries don't have a comprehensive disability law like the ADA. Each country has its own disability legislation, and various laws may cover different topics. In addition, the age and design of architecture in a country may limit accessibility. For example, the buildings in Rome are much older than Washington, D.C. It can be helpful to have an appreciation for international disability law in the countries you travel to, but researching the specifics may be more time-consuming than beneficial. It's most important to spend your time researching where you want to stay, what attractions you want to visit, and how you plan to get around. You should also know about the Air Carrier Access Act, which prohibits disability discrimination when flying. It was passed in 1986 and updated in 2018. It offers protection to those flying domestically and on international travel that takes off or lands in the U.S. It requires the airport to offer you assistance with boarding and deplaning, requires mobility and medical equipment to be exempt from baggage fees, and lastly requires a complaint resolution officer to help you with issues such as damage to your mobility equipment, which the airlines are required to pay for the repairs. Now that we've covered the legal aspect of travel, Angela, can you explain how someone with a disability selects an accessible travel destination? Sure. People with disabilities should select their leisure travel destinations by interest. A disability should not prevent you from going anywhere you want or have to go. There aren't any travel destinations that are perfectly accessible for people with disabilities. But with patience, flexibility, and a solid support system, people with disabilities can enjoy travel at any destination. So how does someone with a physical disability navigate air travel? There are several key steps along the way that we highly suggest following. 
When booking your ticket, always try to book a direct flight to minimize the number of transfers and potential damage to your mobility devices. It is worth the extra price. If you can't book a direct flight, search for a layover of at least 90 minutes to accommodate the extra time needed for deplaning and boarding your next flight. When you arrive at the airport to check in, the airlines will provide a tag for your chair and will ask you questions about the make or model to record it in their system. They may ask you about your battery if you have a power chair. Know that it is a dry cell battery. If you're traveling alone, you can ask the ticketing agent for a gate pass for your caregiver to escort you through to the security checkpoint, which is managed by the Transportation Security Administration, or TSA. They can also take you to the gate. Otherwise, you can ask for the airport personnel to escort you. If you decide to check a shower commode chair or other medical equipment, notify the ticketing agent during check-in and you will not be charged to check it. Be sure to bring medication, a set of bowel and bladder supplies, and potentially a change of clothing in your carry-on luggage in case your checked luggage gets lost. If you use any type of power mobility, be sure to carry on your charger. When you get to the TSA security checkpoint, you should be sent through a designated wheelchair accessible lane and you'll be able to skip the standard line. Generally, they will give wheelchair users a pat down. Be sure to communicate any sensitivities or limitations. Know that the TSA is required to ask wheelchair users if they can walk. So don't be offended when you hear the question. Your travel companion will need to go through the standard line with your carry-on bags. Immediately upon arriving at the gate, ask the gate agent for a pre-board pass and explain you need extra time to board the plane and or request an aisle chair, which is the special wheelchair that fits in the plane aisles. You can request to have your assigned seat moved to the first row called the bulkhead, as this is often a more spacious place to complete a transfer, although the armrest doesn't always go up to allow for an easy transfer. Your expectation for getting on and off the plane should be first on and last off. You will need to be one of the first to board the plane. You will transfer into the aisle chair in the jetway, then the airport staff will move the transport chair onto the plane and down the aisle moving backwards. You'll then transfer into your assigned seat, usually an aisle seat. If you can transfer yourself, complete the transfer and do not allow others to lift you. If you are unable to transfer yourself independently, you'll be lifted in and out of the aisle chair by airport staff. It is important that before traveling, you learn how to direct others to lift you safely. There is an onboard closet on most planes that can accommodate a folding manual wheelchair or wheels. If this is not available or you are a power wheelchair user, your wheelchair will be stowed with luggage in the cargo section of the plane. Prior to handing over your chair, Remove all accessories and the seat cushion and keep them with you. We recommend sitting on your cushion throughout the flight and completing pressure relief every 15 minutes. Most single aisle airplanes do not have accessible bathrooms. 
airplanes with more than two aisles are required to have an accessible bathroom. However, there may not be adequate space for a wheelchair transfer to the toilet. Many people opt to utilize an indwelling catheter for long flights. This can be discussed with your medical provider prior to traveling. When you arrive at your final destination, you will transfer or be lifted to the aisle chair and airport staff will move you to the jetway where your wheelchair will be delivered. Before transferring to your wheelchair, check carefully for any damage. If you notice any damage that was not there prior to flying, you need to file a claim with the airplane airline's complaint resolutions officer, preferably before leaving the airport and absolutely within 24 hours. The airline is responsible for paying for damage and to contract with local wheelchair repair companies to complete repairs. In 2019, the federal aviation regulations started requiring airlines to list the number of wheelchairs they damage each month. Documenting damage on this report is one of the reasons that we recommend reporting even minor damage that you may be able to repair yourself, such as repairing a wheel lock knocked out of place with an Allen wrench. Damaging mobility devices is a widespread problem across all airlines and companies exist like Global Repair Group just to fix wheelchairs broken by airlines. Are there other accessible transportation options available beyond air travel? Definitely. Public transportation is required to comply with the ADA. Trains, both domestically and internationally, are usually accessible and allow you to ride in your wheelchair. Some trains, like Amtrak and Via Rail Canada, have special discount programs for people with disabilities, and sometimes caregivers can receive discounts too. Bus lines like Greyhound or Megabus also offer lifts, but you must notify them of your needs when booking. Many rental car companies do rent hand controls. However, it's recommended you contact the company in advance to check the availability of hand controls and if the hand controls and the vehicle they put them in will meet your needs. There are also accessible van rentals available. Two national companies are wheelchair getaways and mobility works. Accessible taxis are available in some cities especially those with large tourism industries like Las Vegas. Prior to traveling, search online and the city name Accessible Taxis to locate companies. Often, advanced reservations are needed. Rideshare companies like Uber and Lyft have accessible vehicles in some major cities, but not all locations. They can be booked through the apps under Uber Wave and Lyft Access, but you may not know until you get to a city if they have the wheelchair accessible vehicles. At the time of this recording, the most recent information online showed only 17 cities worldwide have these services. You may need to wait a bit longer for an accessible vehicle, or you may find there are no vehicles available at peak times. Planning ahead and making a reservation when possible is recommended. 
On a positive note, the fare is comparable to non-accessible rideshare vehicles. Finally, medical transportation companies may also be an option, though they usually only operate during regular business hours. All right, once you've figured out how to get to your destination and get around, it's time to think about where you're going to stay. What are some tips for finding accessible lodging? Hotels and motels within the U.S. are regulated by the ADA. Many third-party and major hotel company websites allow you to select filters for accessibility needs and allow booking of ADA accessible rooms online. It is important to note that hotels also have ADA rooms for those with vision and hearing impairments. So be sure to book the ADA mobility impairment room. If you don't see accessibility information online, call or email the hotel directly. A few tips for you to think about when booking. First, hotels with attractions within walking distance can limit your need for accessible transportation within your destination city. And second, hotels with complimentary breakfast are more cost-effective and can save you and caregivers time and energy in the morning. When booking internationally, you may have more luck finding accessible hotel rooms in U.S.-based hotel chains like the Holiday Inn. We usually start off by Googling accessible hotel rooms in the city we're looking to stay in. Of note, some hotels limit the number of people who can stay in an accessible hotel room due to space. When we were traveling in Europe in a party of three, one person stayed in the accessible room with Angela, and the third travel companion had to stay in an Airbnb nearby or another room within the same hotel. Airbnb and VRBO are vacation rental websites which do have accessibility filters when searching properties. We've learned it can be very difficult to determine just how accessible the rental is because the owners self-select these filters and there's no U.S. legislation regulating the accessibility of private homes. There may be some hosts who have accessible lodging, and you can message them to ask specific questions like the measurements of the doorways, or you can request they send additional photos of their residence, like a picture of the bathroom. Despite the ADA, there are still challenges with hotel lodging. Angela, can you explain some of these? Yes. So it's important to remember that the ADA is a minimum set of guidelines. So a room may have accessible features that do not meet your needs. This means that hotel rooms vary greatly in terms of how accessible they are for you. We recommend calling and asking specific questions that pertain to your needs. So let's go over a few examples. So if you don't have a travel shower chair, Ask, are shower chairs with backrests available? If you have an SCI, you may want to ask if it is padded or hard plastic. If you have difficulty with uneven transfers out of your wheelchair, ask how high off the floor is the top of the mattress. If you need to transfer, ask, is there room under the bed to allow for a portable wheeled lift? ADA rooms can either have tubs or showers. If you need a specific one, ask, is there a tub or a roll-in shower? The tension on doors is not regulated by the ADA, and most hotel rooms have tension closing doors. 
If you plan to stay in a room without a caregiver, you may want to ask how heavy is the door. Don't take at face value that the statement that the room is accessible. If it doesn't work for you, it isn't accessible. If you get to the hotel or motel and find that the room doesn't meet your needs, talk to the hotel staff immediately. They may have a different room or different equipment that will be safer and easier for you. For example, if the bed is too high, ask for the frame or the mattress to be lowered or request a rollaway bed. If the tension on the door is too heavy for you to open independently, ask them to remove the tension. The ADA was revised in 2010, and now many hotels have an accessible entrance to their indoor or outdoor pools. Be sure to ask if they have a ramp or a lift seat to enter the pool if you'd like to use it. Okay, now we've covered transportation and lodging. Let's chat about exploring your destination. How do you determine if an attraction is accessible? When planning a visit to a restaurant, museum, monument, zoo, park, or other similar attraction, checking accessibility in advance is strongly recommended. Check out the website for the specific venue. You'll want to look for an accessibility section of the website. Or call or email ahead to ensure they have a wheelchair-accessible entrance without steps, wheelchair-accessible bathrooms, and an elevator or a wheelchair lift that's operating that day. Don't assume that any place will be accessible. I recently went out to dinner at a restaurant that didn't have an elevator to the second floor where most of the seating was. I had to advocate that they give us an accessible table sooner than our name would have come up on the wait list as a disability accommodation. Unfortunately, I did not call ahead to inquire about this in advance. You are never too experienced to make a rookie mistake. I had a similar mistake on a trip to Hawaii and missed seeing the Iolani Palace in Honolulu because the wheelchair lift was out of order. If I had called ahead, I could have inquired about when the lift would be fixed and advocated that they fix it, then made my plans based on the information given. Instead, I was disappointed and had to alter my plans at the last minute. If an attraction is not fully accessible, they may have a book of photos or even a video of areas a wheelchair user can't see. This is frequently done at historical homes, like Elvis Presley's Graceland Mansion. There are also times I've been pleasantly surprised by accessibility. I'll never forget the time I took my first covered wagon ride in over 20 years around Blennerhassett Island in West Virginia because they had a ramp up the back of the wagon. Now that we've covered the details of transportation, lodging, and attractions, let's talk about equipment. Is there any durable medical equipment that can make travel easier? Yes. Durable medical equipment specifically for travel can be helpful to improve your independence and reduce the burden on your travel companions in an unfamiliar environment. Some examples of this equipment include portable shower or bowel chairs that can collapse and travel in a case, power-assisted or manual third-wheel add-ons for a manual wheelchair, which allow for navigation on uneven terrain, 
and portable lifts that fold or collapse into a travel case, and even portable ramps that can fold up. Last year, I bought an add-on wheel for the front of my manual chair that lifts the casters off the ground and allows me to independently navigate uneven terrain. I used it to navigate corn mazes, apple orchard, and even national parks. I also know a power, power wheelchair users who have taken portable ramps with them to Europe to access restaurants that have steps to get into. We hope we've inspired you to explore a new travel destination or to take your first trip. We're going to end with our final tips and take home messages. First, research and planning ahead can make or break your trip. It is time consuming, but time well spent. Second, don't let preconceived fears from you or your travel companions dictate where you travel. Third, consider joining an accessible travel group on social media and talking with others who've traveled with a disability. This is a great way to get information on specific destinations from someone with a disability who has traveled there. Learning from their mistakes will save you time and energy. Happy traveling. Bladder Buzz is presented by the Rehabilitation Research and Training Center on Neurogenic Lower Urinary Tract Dysfunction. The information presented in this podcast does not express the views of the individual's employer or affiliated institutions. The content is for informational and reference purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, or as the sole source of guidance for decision-making. We advise you to always consult with a physician before making any healthcare decisions or for guidance about a specific medical condition. Thanks for listening. Come back soon.